0: man! Open with me, please, to Colossians chapter 1. The book of Colossians chapter 1. I want to thank you very much for allowing me to be with you tonight and thank you for coming out. And what I have before me is uh, very simple. I spend a lot of time with young Christians. Matter of fact, when I first started to preach something like this before older, maturer Christians, I didn't know if I should because it's, it's so simple. And yet it's just the basics and so important. And uh, I trust uh, this will stir up your mind to remembrance and uh, maybe when we leave here tonight we'll have a greater desire to live for God. Colossians chapter 1 and 15. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him for Him. I just want to read that last phrase again. All things were created by Him, that's Christ, and for Him. All things were created for Jesus Christ. And that takes you and I in. And He is before all things. And by Him all things consist or held together. And He is the head of the body, the church or the assembly, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. That in all things He might have the preeminence. 1 Corinthians, please. Chapter 6. 1 Corinthians, chapter 6. I'd like to read from verse 19. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. What know you're not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. For you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's God's. Romans 12 and 1 please Romans 12 and 1 of course is a well known verse or verses if we read verse 2 Romans 12. And when I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, most acceptable unto God, which is well-pleasing, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable, same thought, uh, well-pleasing, and perfect or complete will of God. So in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, I take some the sisters as well, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. we know well, most of us. What I have before me tonight is a simple question. This is the way this came to me a few years ago when I began to think along these lines. What right do I have to breathe God's air? I mean, the air is God's that I'm breathing, right? Matter of fact, the world and all the fullness of it belongs to God. And maybe a better question is, Why does God want me to breathe His air? What's the purpose God is allowing me to breathe His air? What's the purpose of my life in the mind of God? What is He after anyway? What does He want from me and from you? Is it to worship God? Oh, dear brother and sister, you could worship Him far better in heaven. Is it to learn our Bibles? Well, we could do that better in heaven as well. I'm after one specific thing here tonight that God wants from each and every one of us. And nobody else in the world can do this except a born-again Christian. And that's why you are so important to God in His plan and purposes. You're absolutely necessary in the plan of God. Not that He can't work around us if we won't listen. Not that he really needed us, but he planned to need us. He wants to use us. He wants to bring us into his grand purposes of this time frame down here. You're created at this time for a particular reason in this generation. Now, we began to think this way that I began to get a little excited. If God created me for a purpose, what is that purpose? Now, I can't give you the definite purpose. I'm going to give you the general. Only you and the Lord can decide exactly what He wants from you. But there's one thing I'm after tonight. Why God wants you to breathe His air. Now, we came to Colossians chapter 1 and 15. And simply to, to beat that clock, I'm not going to look at the whole thing. But He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and He's talking that all things were created by Him for Him. Yeah, but we knew that, didn't we? We understand that. He's the creator of everything. But all things are created by Him, for Him. That means you are created by Him, for Him. you know what that doesn't mean? That you are created by Him for you. You're not created by Him for you. You're created by Him for Him. And it goes on to say that by Him all things consist. All things are held together by Him. Not only did He make it, He's in control of it. The whole world. Now, if I got this figure right, I'm not sure, it's been a while, but I think somebody has said that this world is traveling through space at uh, 666,000 miles per, per hour, maybe it's per second, I don't know. But it's moving at a fast pace and somebody said nobody's at the steering wheel. But somebody is. The Lord's in control of it all. He's... he's we'd all be wiped off the planet by the demons if God didn't hold them back we're here by him for him and the purpose in this verse is that in all things he might have the preeminence that he might have first place in our lives i mean that's only natural for created by him for him that he should have first place and you know, we can sit here and mentally we can agree. That is right. That's the way it should be. We walk out the door. And if we were asked, we'd still agree. But sometimes we forget that we're created beings for a purpose. And that purpose is for Him, to please Him. That He might have first place in our lives. Now. When I first looked at this verse that seemed like I I could accept that that I'm a created being but I didn't really honestly like it because that is meaning that somebody else made me somebody else was was in control but of course when you stop and look at it you try to figure out the DNA and uh, the simple cell and the eye, the ear how the nervous system, the brain works—that's so far beyond us. Somebody with a far grander mind and wisdom, and power, did all that. He should have first place just for that alone. But when you come to First Corinthians chapter six and nineteen, it gets tougher. And this would actually almost upset me. What know you not that your body is the temple of God? Well, that's okay. As a matter of fact, that's wonderful, isn't it? The Holy Spirit is living in my body, in your body, if you're saved. It's the temple of God, the house of God, for His purposes down here. And now the New Testament assembly is a temple as well for the Spirit of God. It's the holiest of holies. The same as basically what was in the Old Testament in behind the veil. That's where God lived. God lives within within the, the house of God, the temple. The New Testament assemblies... That gathered together under his authority but he goes on to say what you have of God and you are not your own for you're bought with a price. now I know God made me but it really I't hurt angered me, Upset me as a young person. I was only saved about maybe three months when I first heard this verse. Uh, that I'm not my own. That I'm bought with a price. See, He had to buy us back off the broad road of the slave market of sin. He not only made us, but when Adam rebelled, and remember when the the devil came, to the Lord Jesus and tempted him, took him up into the to the the high mountain there, and said, showed him all the kingdoms of the world said, fall down and worship me and I'll give you all these. That was Adam's fallen race. The people of this world. He had to buy us back from that. And then on top of that, we had to be saved. But I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. If I'm not my own, you know what angered me? Okay, I'm a created being, but I'm bought. I'm not my own. I do not belong to me. I do not have rights. Because I'm not the designer. I'm not the creator. I'm not the one who paid the price. You see, that verse took a lot away from my freedom as a young Christian. And if somebody else owes me, now we're not very familiar with this anymore, but at one time, if you owned somebody, that was your slave. And that's exactly what Paul said when, when he went to Rome. See, there was all kinds of slaves in Rome. And he said that he was the the servant, the bond servant, or the slave of Jesus Christ. See, it was a great honor for slaves to be the the slave of uh, Caesar, by the way, declared that he was God. But Paul said he was the slave of Jesus Christ. And remember when God came to Joshua and He said, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead? He was saying... Joshua, Moses, my bondservant, my slave is dead. Why was he telling Joshua that? He knew that. God was looking for another servant, another slave. Why didn't he say Moses, the statesman for God, was dead? Or Moses, the miracle worker? Or Moses, the great general? Or or Moses, the lawgiver? He could have went on and on what Moses was. But he said, no, Moses, my slave is dead. Because that's what he's looking for, beloved. He's just looking for slaves that will obey him. See, the littler we see ourselves and the greater we see God, we more tend to be humble and obedient. When I begin to get puffed up and think I'm something, then I want to serve self. I want to be something. I mean, nothing God's everything but what we are in Christ is tremendous what an honor and privilege but God today is still looking for humble slaves loyal servants that will sacrifice their will their purposes their cause their plans for the great cause and purpose and will of Christ Anybody here want to sign up? You know, when you join the army, you kind of sign your life away, don't you? Somebody else tells you where to go, when to get up, what to wear, how to train, even where to die. And a lot of dear men, and I suppose now women, are signing their lives over For the cause of preserving their country and their families. And they give it all away for that. Beloved, you and I here tonight, sign your life over to Christ. Give him your will, if you haven't. You preserve your family, you preserve your country. You look at Israel, when they turned from God, the whole country was lost. I believe it's the prayers from the godly, especially out of those that are gathering to the pattern of the house of God, are making a difference on how the country goes. We've got a greater cause, and that's just time, let alone for eternity. You and I that are saved tonight, we've been handpicked, chosen by God, and deeply entrusted with the Word of God, to live it, to be an example of Christ down here before the lost. We are tremendously privileged and exceedingly responsible for what God has given us. You know, I was thinking the other day, never thought this much before. Before I got saved, I played a lot of hockey and ball. probably spent 15 years on the road doing this. And the teams that I play... Well, we won all Ontario championships in hockey and ball and... Uh, anyway, I won't go into it. But... Whether we were winning everything or not doing so good, those men that I knew, most of them were just wicked, ungodly drunks. Like myself. And the problem is I could handle it. They couldn't, most of them. But if there was a ball game or a hockey game, every one of those players were there to every game. If there was a practice, they were all there. The only thing that would keep them away is well, sickness, a tremendous emergency, maybe death. We changed jobs. We, we took days off. We did what was necessary. When the team moved, the team was there. And I thought sometimes we were more loyal and dedicated to the sport, to the team than after when I got saved. I don't know what it's like down here, so I'm not throwing stones. Then the Christians are to Christ and to the team, if I can put it that way, in the local assembly. To the brothers and sisters that gather. A lot of times, there's a lot not there. And yet we were created for a purpose, beloved. We were created to be there. That's why He created you and I. And you and I have the privilege of knowing what the house of God is. What He really, really wants. That's been given to us. And sometimes we take it so lightly and we take it for granted. Seven churches of Asia... Are not there any longer. Somebody let the truth go. The lampstand is gone a long time ago. Most of those assemblies back then are gone. Maybe all, as far as I know. We've got no guarantee that this little assembly here, and I don't know a thing about you, is going to be here till the Lord comes. Be here in a Philadelphian condition. It's all done by the power of God. And God moves and God blesses when our hearts are in it. And we're loyal and we're faithful and we're dedicated to reading Last, two weeks ago. <sighs> Strange. The surprises you get in Christianity. I asked somebody that I knew was having a little bit of trouble if they read their Bible today. And they said no. So I ran across somebody that figured wasn't reading their Bible very well and asked them and they said no. I probably in that week asked 10 people whether they read their Bible and to my shock, not one of them said they had. Why? That's what we're here for. We're here to read this book. It's probably one of our greater sins by not reading it. We're to wholly, wholeheartedly give ourselves to this. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. I'd be afraid to take most Christians that I know up against a Jehovah's Witness. He'd turn the inside out. Some of them that I know. With the Bible alone. Not with their books. With the Bible. I've been there and I've talked to them I can defeat them I can't win them but I can defeat them in the word of God but honestly most Christians wouldn't be able to do it why? they're not into the buck and we're bought with a price Yeah, we lost our freedom well we never had freedoms except what our master gives us now I, I know that uh, he doesn't force us I know he's given us a will and he allows us to make choices. But technically, beloved, we're created by him for him and we were bought by him. And we're not our own. And he says glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Spirit's in our body's outer. So he wants us to glorify Christ in the inner. And that must come first. The relationship must be there. And then he wants that new inner man, that Christ-like character, to shine out through the body to a dying world. Which you have been created to shine as a light in a very dark place to manifest Christ in your body. But it's got to begin with him. So... As I said, I I didn't like that verse because that means I couldn't do what I wanted to do, which I thought I could, even as a Christian. You know, some people will preach freedom in Christ, that we're free to do whatever we want. That's not there. The freedom in Christ we have, we're free. There's been a, a surgical operation take place when we got saved where God cut is that we're our members from that fallen evil nature that it cannot reign over us. We've got freedom from that evil, wicked thing inside that it cannot have full control over us. Now, it's true. We can link back up for a little while and it can cause us to sin, all right. But the Spirit of God's in there and He will not allow it to reign over us. We have that freedom. But I do not have freedom. To tell God, I'm not serving you today or uh, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do what I want. I don't have freedom to say, no, I'm not going to read my Bible. No, I know I can do that, but I can't get away with it. It'll either catch up to me here and it will catch up to me here. and It'll catch up to me at the judgment seat of Christ. And I won't grow as a Christian Matter of fact, the flesh will begin to cause me a lot of problems and I'll begin to cause you a lot of problems if you're around me. It's absolutely essential, beloved, that we read our Bibles and we don't have the freedom to say no. We have the freedom to obey as the servants of Jesus Christ. You know, God has a a direct will and He has a permissive will. The direct will is He wants us to do what He wants. The permissive will is when we rebel, He may give us the liberty to learn not to rebel by going through God's hard school of knocks. And we'll learn, it'll take a longer time. We'll lose a lot of uh, blessing in it, a lot of joy, a lot of purpose, what He traded us for. But sooner or later, he'll get us back to where he wanted us. We can fight him or we can bow to him now. And so we're not a wrong. We're bought with a price. It took a long time to accept that from the heart. Mentally, I knew it. But inwardly, I didn't want that. I did not want From my heart to give up my freedoms to bow to the will of Christ. Now, as you know, in Christianity, even when we bow to the will of Christ, there's a lot of freedoms. But I've discovered this when you bow to the will of Christ and you let Him lead you to what He wants you to do for the very purpose why He created you, the joy is so tremendous. And the, the blessing is so real that all of a sudden His will is your will and this is what you want and it's far better than anything else you ever desired before. But most Christians never get that far. A lot of us sometimes are just fighting God in this area or that area and a lot of areas. And we miss out on the joy and we miss out on the blessing. But this is what He really wants. In Romans chapter 12 and 1, I beseech you. That's not I command thee. That's not in here. It's I beg of you please, the Apostle's writing. Brethren, by the mercies of God, and that's by the first 11 chapters of Romans. It took him 11 chapters to get to these two verses. And he was talking about our justification in the early chapters. But from chapters 6, 7, and 8, he's primarily talking about our, our separation. And of course, in 8 as well, our glorification, what we're going to be for eternity. But chapters 9, 10, and 11, you know what he's done? He set aside the nation of Israel as the mouthpiece of God, and he's brought the church in to speak for God down here. It cost the Lord Jesus Christ a lot to buy us back. He was that merchantman that went out and found that pearl of great price. And he sold all that he had to buy it. He gave everything to buy you and I. And he wants us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And he goes on to say, just, just not any old way, but the, the way he wants. He, he talks about um, holy. He wants us to set our lives apart. And of course, it's got purity in there. But acceptable. We're uh, good soul, or We're soldiers in Jesus Christ. And we're to live our lives to please Him. So He wants us to uh, sacrifice <laughs> our bodies. Maybe the way you want to dress it. Or I want to dress it. See, Christ liveth in me. Paul could say. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. How would Christ, if He was alive in me, which He is, if I allow Him to have control of my body, how would He dress my body to meet the world? See, that that's the sacrifice. You're sacrificing what, oh, it's hot today. Or, oh, I would like to... And maybe... I'm not getting against times to... You need a vacation. You need rest. You need to get away. You need to play with your family. Spend time with your wife. All these things are wonderful, necessary things. But the preeminence, the top priority why you're here is that Christ can have first place in your life. He's alive in you. Would you allow Him to have control of the steering wheel of your life? That's the thought of it. If, if I, well, I live in Canada, let's go there. And I was coming down here, and I was going to fly down here, and I phoned up and I said, listen, I, I need a vehicle while I'm down there. Would you lend me your vehicle? And if you only had one vehicle, I'm going to be down here for a week. I need your vehicle for a week. I'd be asking a lot, wouldn't it? And it'd be a tremendous sacrifice for you to give it to me, to, to allow me to use it. Especially if you had to walk or take the bus or whatever. And I said, well, you can come along in the passenger seat, but I need the steering wheel in my hands and the brakes and the pedals. I'd really be asking a lot. But it'd be a lot different if I had bought you that vehicle. I was paying the insurance on it. I was doing all the maintenance repairs on it. I was putting the gas and the oil in it. It was really my vehicle. It wasn't yours at all. But I allowed you to use it until I come down. And when I came down here for the week, I needed the vehicle. It was really my vehicle. Now, you would have a choice to make. Yes or no. It's simply a sacrifice to you if that was the only vehicle you had. But see, that's what Jesus Christ is asking. Your vehicle, your body, your mind, soul, the inner and the outer. He created it and He bought it. And He's in control of all things. And we are breathing His air. I often tell Christians, if you want to rebel against God, that's fine, just go breathe your own air. Leave us alone. So what He's asking for is a reasonable priestly service, isn't it? How long does He want it? All the time you're alive. There are going to be a cost if you're going to present that body as a living sacrifice there's a price to pay there was a price to pay when he presented his body as a living sacrifice and then as a dead sacrifice and he was willing to pay that price that we could be here tonight with him forever dear brother and sister are you willing to pay the price intelligently from the word of God you're going to have to read it and study it trust you all do. But you see, you have a danger of saying... I have a danger of saying no or presenting it. And the thought is once for all. But when I'm on fire, yes, God, here I am. And when I'm cold at heart, and no, I've got to do my own things today. I'm taking the day off, Lord. See, He wants full control. He wants the steering wheel of our lives. Now... You can know mentally from Colossians, he made it, he should have it. And from Corinthians, he paid for it, he should have it. Even for the, the first 12 chap, 11 chapters of, of Romans, you'd have to agree. But beloved, that's not enough. Even if you do, it won't last. Something else that's absolutely necessary. Turn with me please to Lamentations chapter 1. Lamentations chapter 1. I want to read from verse 12. Now, prophetically, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? And that's Calvary. And behold, Let's fix your gaze, your mind on it, and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me. Wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. From above, he has sent fire into my bones, and it prevaileth against them. The rich man in hell said, I'm tormented in this flame. He's being afflicted or was afflicted because of our sins. Of course, we know that very well. And I believe that's one of the the reasons why God designed on the first day of the week, the very first meeting, is to take us back to the cross to behold the Lamb of God, the sacrifice. The only reason why we're here. And this verse says, is it nothing to you when you behold the cross when you behold Calvary when you allow your mind to go in and understand again something of the horror of the suffering of Christ because of the crimes which we committed not only before we were saved but sadly to say after we were saved there's a few sins kicking around too is it nothing to you of course it's something to you but beloved is it enough to you, to me? It'll cause me to present my body as a living sacrifice. Knowing the facts usually isn't enough. It's the heart must be affected. Second Corinthians chapter five and fourteen, he says, For the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ well, Christ loves us all the time the same. But that's not what He's after. He's after the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God building the love of Christ within us, that agape love, that sacrificial love. That's what causes us, that's what constrains us to say no to sin and yes to God. And in our context, this is the two options that we have. It's the love of Christ that will constrain you if the heart is right, if the relation's are right, that you live for Christ. And if the heart isn't right... And the relationship isn't right. You know what you live for there? For self. And that's our battle. Either we're going to live for Christ, or we're going to live for self. And if you present your body as a living sacrifice, you're going to die to self. You're not living for your desires, your plans, your wants. Except this. The relationship is right. Your desires and plans will be the same as His. And you will want to please Him. And he says, if I or if you keep my commandments, I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friends. Now that's what he's looking for. Will you be the friend of Christ down here when it's hard, when it's difficult, when the devil's warring against God and he's coming against the people of God? Why? Because we know the Word of God and we're a danger to His kingdom. Will you take that stand in the battlefield? Not be a soldier on the parade ground where it's easy, but on the battlefield in the, in the front lines where the devil's trying to hurt you. He's trying to discourage you. If he could, he'd kill you. He'd wipe us all out tonight. It's only the power of God that's holding him back. But remember Job. He couldn't get in until the hedge came down. And beloved, we fall far enough into sin, the hedge will come down. It's a love of Christ that constrains us. There was a, a family that just moved out from the city. We'll say New York City doesn't matter. Not married long, had a little boy about, I don't know, eight, 10 months old. and They didn't want to raise him in the city. They moved out in the country a little bit, traveled back into the city to work. And this day the, the father went back to work and the, the mother, I suppose she'd been up most of the night with a little guy crying or whatnot. Anyway, she was tired and she laid him down uh, in a crib or a playpen or wherever it was. And she, she laid down on a couch beside him. It would only been there just just a short while. Neighbors really didn't know them. And uh, one of the neighbors looking at his window seeing that this house had caught in fire. And he phoned the fire department. And so it wasn't long. There was a gathering out in the lawn and everybody was waiting for the fire department. But uh, nobody seemed to know if anybody was home or not. Anyway, the fire department came and they went in. And the house was pretty much ablaze by them but they were able to get in and they found the woman and they brought her out and they laid her on the lawn and she was overcome by smoke but they they revived her and she looked up and she realized what was going on and she said where's my son? where'd you put him? now the firemen and the people around they were horrified they didn't know anything about a little boy and they looked back at that blaze and the house looked like it was totally gone. And the mother got up and, and she was in a frantic. And she just kept running out asking people where her son was and nobody had any idea. And then she broke full speed from them through that door and behind was a blaze. But she found him. She knew where he was But she couldn't get back out It wasn't long they heard her screaming and Then there was silence And after they'd put the blaze out They went in to get them And down in the basement Against the cement wall on the cement floor They found her badly burned body when they pulled her back underneath her was a little boy still alive she knew where he was she was the only one there that had the heart to sacrifice her life for him and not even knowing whether she could save him and when they heard her screaming, that's when the flames had gotten to her back. And even if she could have got off and got out of there, he would have died. But she didn't move, she stayed. That's what Christ did. He was in the darkness and the flames came. They came because of our sin. And He came to meet the flames that we might never. He came to where we were, this planet. And He had the love and He had the ability to do it. And He gave everything to buy us. And in love today... He's asking you to serve Him, to present your body as a living sacrifice, to lay it down. Lay down your will. Lay down your plans. Lay down your desires and take up His. I don't know what they are. It may fit nicely in with what you're doing already. I don't know. Likely, most of you here tonight, you could probably take me or tell me the place you got saved. Or you could take me maybe to the very spot and maybe there's a tank here where you got baptized. And you could probably... Well, you should be able to tell me where you broke bread for the first time. All wonderful things. Could you tell me where in the circumstances of your life when you from the heart, intelligently presented your body as a living sacrifice to Christ that he might use your vehicle down here for whatever whatever purpose he wants can you go there? and if you can't ten after nine is a good place to start in this hall that's what he created us for. He wants your vehicle. I want to tell you what's so special about your vehicle, why he wants it. He says in Second Timothy, he says, who have saved us and called us with a holy calling, with a gospel call, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Not only did he create us for a purpose, not only did he buy us back for a purpose. But there, that spot where He saved you, He had a purpose in mind for you. You see, He didn't create us by Himself for ourselves. He created us by Himself for Himself. He bought us back. We're not our own. We belong to Him. And He saved us for the very purpose He went through so much trouble to get us. At such a tremendous cost to himself. And yet he's not going to force us. <laughs> and he wants to reward us for it if we have do it again. I mean, reward us again. There will be tremendous reward down here, but then in heaven. And you and I, we're part of the bride of Christ. Saved here tonight. Part of the spiritual body of Christ. nobody gets any closer to God than the bride or the body. We've been given the highest privileges of all human beings. We will judge angels. We'll judge the world. God's laid it all on us. We're going to be glorified with a body like His body. Now He says today, present your body as a living sacrifice. Why? Because I need it. I need to do my work through, through it. See, he doesn't want you to do the work. He's in there. He'll do it himself if you just allow him to use you. So he he talks about, uh, 1 Timothy, about how to behave yourself in the house of God. Well, if you're going to learn how to behave yourself in the house of God, you're going to have to be in the house of God. So he wants us there. Then in uh, chapter 3, he he says, um, sorry, 1 Peter 2, He says that we're living stones. Then he says we're a chosen generation. We're living stones for the house of God. I know it talks about a holy and a royal priest there as well. But I want to think of a living stone in the house of God. He says if the whole church come together in one place, if all the living stones come together in one place, that is the mind of God. When the assembly meets Christ in the midst, the way John seen him in the Isle of Patmos, in all his majesty, and he's calling us to come together in one place, he wants all the living stones there. I know at times it's not possible. But beloved, if it is possible, and you choose not to meet with Christ, because that's who you're saying no to you're not fulfilling the purposes of God, why He created you, why He bought you, why He saved you. The house of God, the New Testament assembly, is God's place of operation on Earth. This is the most important thing you and I could ever do is function in the house of God. That's what we're all about. And there's something that we have. And he says in First Timothy 4, Neglect not the gift that is in thee. See, it's that gift. Put there by the Spirit of God. He wants to use that gift in the house of God. So if the gift needs to be developed... The first time I put skates on, I kept falling. I couldn't skate. But by the time I was finished... I won the most valuable player of the whole league. It was in the All-Ontario All-Star Men, Star teams a couple of times. Our gifts need to be developed. In order to develop it, we need to read our Bibles and we need to study our Bibles. And until we're to the point of studying it, we need to be in the meetings of the assembly of God. This is God's university. This is where the highest truth in the universe is being taught. How many people spend hours and hours and hours... In the world's universities. And so few hours in God's university. In God's truth. You and I are expected to know this. Expected to know our Bibles. Dear brother in the meeting. 1 Corinthians 11 says that you are the image of Christ in the meeting. That means the physical, visible representation of the Lord Jesus Christ in the meeting. You've been gifted for a work in the meeting if you're going to represent the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to develop your gift. You need to know the book. He needs to use it. And He needs you to learn it. And sometimes that's going to take faith, saying no to other things that are good, looking to God to meet other needs so that He can develop you for the very purpose He created you for. And then He says this, redeeming the time. You might understand what the will of God is. The will of God, first of all, is to redeem the time. The time means to redeem the time means to buy it back from the world. Devil's got us locked in in a lot of cases. It can be anything. When I was in the world, uh, well, let me put it to you this word, way the, the little word M U S E means amuse. Devil wants to amuse us. Devil's designed the world to amuse us. Um, Sorry, I said that wrong. M U S E means to think. If you put an A in front of that, it means to amuse. So the devil wants to amuse us, God wants us to think. We need time to think. This world is full of amuse- amusements. Matter of fact, it's sad to say, sometimes you go into certain religious circles, all they want to do is amuse you too. They don't want to teach you the Word of God. So, redeem the time. There's a price to pay. It's the will of God. What do you need the time for? You need it to expand the gift. And what's the gift for? It's for the house of God. And that's what you and I are breathing God's air for. Top priority. Everything else is important. That's good. But this is the top priority. Colossians chapter 3 and 1 says, Seek those things which are above. Set your affections, that's your love, Your heart's desires on things above and not on the things of the earth. On the eternal things. On the things of Christ. That's where you set your heart. 1 John 2 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, which is designed by the devil, the love of the Father is not in him. He says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. In Mark 80, he says, What shall a profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Leaves it in the gospel. But really, it's to Christians. What shall profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his life's work for Christ down here? Is the thought. What good is it if you get the whole world? Even if you got it all, it's only for 50 years, 100 years, and it's gone. You go into eternity, and what you've done for Christ. Will last, but what's not done for Christ will be lost. So there's no profit in gaining this world. You go back to Nehemiah, they said, Why is the house of God forsaken? Why has God forsaken, or the people of God forsaken his house? But by the time you get to chapter 10 and 39, the people say, We will not forsake the house of God. It's a choice. We will not forsake the work of the house of God. We will not forsake the gift that God has given us. We will not forsake uh, giving God these bodies of the living sacrifice to do His work. We won't forsake that. Lord Jesus Christ, the 12 years old, said, "I must be about my father's business. I must be about my Father's business, beloved. Top priority. And later on he said, The zeal of thy house has eaten me up. The things of God. The house of God. The work in the house. The protection of the house. Of the people of God. Of the truths of God. The true riches is not money. The true riches is the word of God. And the people of God. That God gives you. That's where the real riches is. That's where the real work is. And that's why you've been created. And that's why you've been paid so much for. And you've been gifted for the purpose of the house of God. But sometimes we forget that. We get so caught up. We we forget when we can't see the invisible. We get caught up with the visible. Moses said he endured seeing the things that were invisible. Seeing God. Seeing the purposes of God. And beloved, we can use it. I've got nothing against education. But when your education stops you from getting an education in God's university, it's getting in the road. Now I know... It's only for a few years. But nevertheless, the education in God's house, in God's university, is far more important. I've got nothing against a career, a job, a business. It's absolutely necessary and should be prayed about. But developing your gift in the house of God should be top priority in our lives. I've got nothing against marriage. And that one should be prayed about or it will you will pray about it later on. But, remember, we're part of the Bride of Christ. And we've got great responsibilities there. Uh, I've got nothing against the home, and that's necessary for your family. But don't forget, the Lord said in my Father's house in many mansions, we've got a greater home, a greater future. This is a war zone. This is going to be over in a shout. And we're going on. And I got nothing, I got a son-in-law, and he loves everything that's fully loaded. And uh, I got nothing against cars or vehicles. But need and greed is certainly important. But remember, we're going to get a vehicle, if I can put it that way. A body like his body. But never need a car again, I don't think. Maybe not a plane either. It'll be able to overcome gravity. Beloved, we got such a tremendous future, and we got such a heavy responsibility here. And there's not a lot of soldiers for Christ. Don't let the devil knock you out. Don't let the devil rob you. Will a man rob God? Oh, he was talking about ties back there. Would a man rob God for the very purpose why God created him? Would a man rob God that his vessel isn't available for Christ to use and that gift is never developed and wasted? Would a man rob God for the fact that the house of God needs your gift? It's not for you. It's for them to protect them, to teach them. And you just think, if you develop your gift and you teach the people of God and encourage them, you're going to bring glory and honor to Christ. And at the judgment seat of Christ... You just want to bring joy to them for your labors and your efforts down here. Beloved, will you sacrifice yourself for Christ, for the people of God? Will you lay it down? Would you put the things of God first? And that's what he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. We use that for the Gospel too, but it's not there. The verse before talks about my Father. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. But beloved, while you're seeking first the kingdom of God and His things, sometimes it will require some faith that God will add all these things to you. It's our choice. He's made it so. Peter looked into those eyes after he denied Christ three times. Beloved, we don't want to deny Christ of his vessel that he created for himself, that he bought for himself, because we're going to look in those eyes. Some say there's no tears in heaven. Context, those coming out of tribulation. Talks about being ashamed at his coming. But he talks about being full with joy. That's what we want. One of the most beautiful words in the scriptures is the word repent. Change your mind. And the simplicity of it is when we are convicted of our failures, when we're convicted of of our sin as Christians, when we're convicted that maybe we're robbing God, and we humble ourselves. And we cast ourselves before the throne of grace and tell Him all about it. But He knew it anyway. And ask for His help. We're forgiven. As the children of God. Oh, we were forgiven as sinners at the cross. But now we're forgiven. And we're accepted. And He'll fix us up and He'll dust us off. And put us back on the work. Oh, He loved us just as much. When we were living for Him or not, that doesn't change. But beloved, we change. Sometimes we get cold at heart and that's a big fight. Laodicea, lukewarmness. And when you get the lukewarmness, you live for self and not for Christ. May God bless you. Keep you. Give you joy. And use you down here. Shall we pray?